the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. With Dr. Ann Pierce, a contributor to the Washington Times, author of A Perilous Path, the Misguided Foreign Policy of Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and John Kerry. And welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Thanks for having me. You know, I am astonished that it is not just Democrats. There are some, what, uh, what I dubbed yesterday, and what many consider war hawks like John McCain and Lindsey Graham. And of course, the majority of the press trying to pigeonhole this response out of, out of Donald Trump, which was clearly in response to the use of chemical weapons, and trying to say, well, what are you going to do? Do you want regime change in Syria? What do you want to do? What do you, where's your expanded policy? Where's your expanded plan? And I, I'm, I'm just getting the sense that, that at least Donald Trump is going, I responded to the chemical attack. That, that was it. There's, there's, don't, don't read any more into it. What say you? Well, I think he did respond to the chemical attack, but I also think there are a lot of indications that this administration is responding very seriously to Syria. And as you said, what's going on in the press is this attempt to, on the one hand, say, oh, you're not doing anything. And then he does something and they say, well, the policy is incoherent. We don't know enough about it. Well, the administration has made clear that they don't like to lay all their cards on the table. But I, for one, am really relieved that they are now taking Syria so seriously. I was concerned about Trump's pre-election statements on Syria and on Russia, and I have been tremendously relieved. The Assad regime is one of the most cruel, devastating, murderous, and destabilizing regimes the world has ever seen. And as I've been saying for a long time, we have to beware ISIS strategy that fortifies Russia, Syria, and Iran. Because if you think about it, these terror-sponsoring, weapons-proliferating, hostile regimes can potentially do us even more harm um, than ISIS can. And what happened during the Obama years was that the Obama administration not only enabled Assad, but also uh, not only did nothing about Assad, but also enabled Assad by way of going along with one Russian plan for that country after another, which had no other purpose than to prop up Assad. So you fast forward to the present, and now we actually are not only doing something in this what is a limited strike, but there are a lot of messages and statements coming out from this administration, which I find very refreshing. I mean, you have Nikki Haley's uh, statements against Russian aggression and especially against um, Assad's atrocities in the U.N., and you have such moral clarity. 
Um, and in spite of people picking up on Tillerson saying, well, we're going to deal with ISIS first, he's made various comments that are in line with what uh, Haley has said. He has said that steps are underway to form an international coalition to stop Assad. He has said that with acts Assad has taken, there would be no role for him to govern the Syrian people. McMaster, Mattis, others have said similar things. So I'm I'm not uh, seeing this incoherence or this extremism, which is the other criticism you get. I'm seeing an administration that is really looking um, at what to do about this awful regime. Right. And you, and you got to put in context, too, uh, the tremendous show of support from the Saudi kingdom, from Jordan uh, and from uh, Egypt, their, their leaders that came over here. I think if there's going to be any solution, those countries and their armies and their and their soldiers, they're going to have to be the lead on the ground. Any solution with Syria, especially if it, it entails kicking out the strongman Bashar al-Assad. Let me let me bring up some some past here, Anne, because and, and this is why I'm so tenuous on uh, on regime change, on this whole open talk once again of regime change. We got Barack Obama who said Assad must go, and of course didn't want to do anything to make that happen. But we've got Iran back in 1979 with, with James Carter, a Democrat. Uh, we traded the Shah, a strong-arm guy, for radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists running that country. Libya, this was Obama and Clinton, two left-wing progressives, who uh, went after Muammar Gaddafi, who was cooperating with the United States, but he was a strong-arm thug kind of guy. What's there now? ISIS, radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists. Egypt. When Mr. Obama supported the deposing of Hosni Mubarak and getting rid of him, what took his place? Well, it, temporarily, but it was the Muslim Brotherhood backed fully by resident Obama, a terrorist organization. I guess my broader point is, is that when Democrats try to do this kind of thing, this regime change thing, we ended up getting somebody worse. The only one I can think of that stood a, a prayer and, and still is hanging on by a thread is Bush's Iraq. But what did that in was the fact that Bush had to go and then Obama undid all the good work that was done there. Yeah, well, one thing I will say is that Obama's statement that Assad must go was a one-time weak statement, which he then backed away from in every way, shape, and form. Um, what the Obama, Clinton, and Kerry team actually did was turn down every positive humanitarian and strategic proposal that came along to deal with that escalating crisis, including, for example, a French proposal for a humanitarian corridor, which, of course, would have been much easier to implement then and now. And in general, as I um, examined very carefully the foreign policy of Obama in a perilous path, what I found was generally they treated um, enemies and adversaries and dictators ungenerously, or generously rather, while treating democratic allies and pro-democracy groups ungenerously. Mm -hmm. And the Mubarak situation was actually an exception, but they really didn't treat the pro-democracy secular element of that rebellion generously or the reformists who were getting ready to um, put Mubarak's son into power as a more reformist 
minded person. They didn't re- treat the reformists generally in Egypt <laughs> generously. They tended um, to treat more the Muslim Brotherhood generously. Yeah, I guess so the I broader wanna... point is I'm just I'm I'm very leery of regime change for fear of a power vacuum and for fear that we own it once we break it. Yeah, and and I understand that, and I do think that in the Cold War that what we found was that we had all kinds of means to influence events without actually going into a country and um, initiating regime change by way of force. Mm -hmm. It's not that we can simply impose democracy in the Middle East or elsewhere, but we can use our influence to move things in a more pro-democracy direction where rule of law and basic rights are respected and where the United States and its allies and our is more respected. And um, one concern I have is that since the Iraq War, we've tended to see things in an either-or way. It's that either we refrain from an active foreign policy or we'll end up with boots on the ground. And yet, World War II taught that if we bury our heads in the stand and retreat from the world stage, do nothing to defend democratic principles and to defend people um, who are undergoing extreme... um, uh, attack on their very life and atrocities happening, um, that war is actually more likely. So Yeah, it comes back to bite us eventually. You know, I made the same point when people were wringing their hands about us using this targeted strike in Syria, uh, that, that America can't act without bringing us to war. I mean, Rand Paul's out there saying, oh, we're at war. No, we're not at war. Uh, we, we, are, we are being a valuable check on rogue regimes. Dr. Ann Pierce, she is a contributor to the Washington Times and the author of this book, A Perilous Path, A Misguided Foreign Policy of Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and John Kerry, uh, where, where Barack Obama failed, and I've only got a couple of minutes left, uh, Dr. Pierce, where one of the biggest failures of the Obama administration was putting a, that needed check on North Korea. Now they are very close to uh, getting a, a rocket that can, uh, an intercontinental ballistic missile that can hit the United States with a nuclear payload. Uh, the Trump administration has sent a carrier group over there to send a message not only to North Korea, but to China, that if, they, if China doesn't act to rein in what John McCain called the crazy fat kid, yeah. um, that, uh, that we will do it. What is, your, what is your take on this? Yeah, well, what we've seen over last years is the exponential progress of North Korea's missile and nuclear programs to the point that North Korea is an existential threat to South Korea and Japan and an imminent threat to the continental United States. So what I've argued is that we should give up this uh, myth that negotiations might work. We've tried them again and again, and instead we need to impose strong sanctions and strong pressure. And that is exactly what the Trump administration is doing now. They're holding out the threat of a preemptive strike, but that is not what they want. They are trying to show force over there by uh, speeding up missile defenses and um, undergoing robust military exercises and sending the strike group over there. This is the right thing to do. Um, we have would to you do it. Favor we have no choice redep- now. But um, they're also would- very actively discussing this crisis with our allies over there. And, again, sure. I think they're stepping up in a way that I find a real relief. And um, I'm glad they're doing it. Really quickly, would you would you support redeploying nuclear weapons in South Korea? Oh, that is a tough one. That is a tough <laughs> one. I my my big fear is that even missile defenses 
might be slowed down by the incoming administration in South Korea and that they might return to sunshine policies of engagement with North Korea, um, which the South Korean defense ministry rejected itself because it acknowledged they had completely failed. So I hope that we don't fall for that trap again. I hope I'm hoping uh, other methods can work, and I think missile defenses and rallying our allies around and uh, very strong sanctions. We have the potential um, to put much stronger sanctions on um, entities that support North Korea than we are now, and Congress has already um, got that underway with the administration's support. So, All right. Hey, um, uh, look at the cl- look at the clock. I could talk to you for another hour. Dr. Ann Pierce, she's a contributor to the Washington Times, folks. The name of the book, A Perilous Path, A Misguided Foreign Policy of Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and John Kerry. Dr. Pierce, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll talk again. Okay, thanks a lot. Bye. You bet. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951.